Hey there, my name is Srirag and you're listening to Project Passion. It's been about a month since I last sent out an episode. I wish I could tell you that I have been using this time productively and I have, I'll, I'll get to that point, but honestly, the hardest thing about creating a creative habit, and this can be creating a podcast, you know, writing, I'm sure even artists will agree with me, you know, people who make uh, art on a canvas, or any kind of artist for that matter, they will agree with me when I say that the most difficult thing about being a creative person or having creative pursuits is consistency it is so difficult to maintain a habit and honestly the last uh, three or four weeks i've just had the worst i don't know if i can call it writer's block but podcaster's block (laughs) and it took me a while to get out of the funk but um, honestly one of the things which got me out of that funk was actually one of the projects which i'm going to talk to you about right now so at this moment, we're collecting some input from uh, you guys, uh, some volunteers. I reached out to one of my friends regarding having a few episodes, maybe a, a kind of series as a sub-project to Project Passion, about mental health. And the idea was that I wanted to promote uh, as many conversations as possible around the subject of mental health. And amazingly, she was working on a project for her university at the same time. And she was telling me all of these things about how her project is also, you know, dealing with how we can have better conversations around mental health. And uh, we got her talking and um, we had a couple of ideas on segments that we could do on the show or entire episodes that we could do around the subject. There are mainly two ideas. The first one is a sort of storytelling combined sort of a thing which uh, will feature voice notes from you know prospective listeners and basically we'll be asking people to imagine a world where um, coronavirus no longer exists so what would the new normal look like of course we'll be giving more prompts and things like that but that is the basic gist of the idea The second idea is to have a sort of conversation. So in the conversation, we'll basically be doing an anonymous um, group discussion sort of thing. Don't get scared when I say group discussion. It's not going to be like what we used to have when we were trying to get into universities. Um, It's just an open circle, a safe space where you would just be having a conversation with another or maybe a group of people about mental health and you know we'd we'd have uh, some prompts for you and we haven't actually designed the specifics yet but I think I think you can sort of get the idea and for this obviously we need uh, volunteers and uh, you are welcome to volunteer for one of them or both of them or of course neither of them that is always an option of course and I would really love it, actually, if a lot of people join in on this. Because to me, as a creative person, 
I have to face mental health issues a lot. And I'm sure any person who's creative or not creative, we all have our moments of weakness when it comes to mental health. And I think this is a conversation or this series is something which could benefit a lot of people. And I'm hoping that we can design it in such a way that it can benefit a lot of people. And hopefully you will be a part of that. And um, trust me, all your data and everything will be kept anonymous. We're collecting email IDs and that, that's it, I believe. The form is in the description or you could find it on the Instagram page in our uh, bio. Please do fill it out and uh, I look forward to seeing you there. But now on to the interview. Lily is a yoga teacher who's based out of Dubai and her story is a little interesting because she used to be a lawyer at a pretty high powered corporate law firm here in Dubai and she gave all of that up just so she can chase her passion and I think this conversation is particularly useful to any of you who are at a crossroad you know we always have these questions about whether we're in the right job, whether we're in the right country, you know, whether we're in, on the right path to the kind of success that we want. And it can be a little difficult to know what kind of questions to ask or what methodology you can use to approach these kind of questions. Because honestly, if you do the wrong thing, you'll end up, you know, just creating ways in which you divert blame onto yourself or it's a endless vicious cycle if you don't make uh, the right decisions in that crossroad point of uh, time in your life and i think we discuss a possible framework for you a possible frame of reference for you which i think can be quite useful to people who are in that position in their lives and um, on top of everything, she's just a really fun person to listen to. And uh, I hope you find some inspiration and uh, find some knowledge about yoga in this uh, conversation. Uh, I know that I did. Enjoy. Okay, let's, uh, let's jump right into it. So you began your career as a lawyer, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So I studied law at university and the very obvious progression after that was to go and become a lawyer. So I decided to go down the solicitor route. Um, I was in the UK at the time, so I got a job at a corporate law firm and did my two years of training and then qualified as a lawyer. So that after those two years, it's all official, you're a lawyer, off you go into the, the world of legal practice. And I thought that that was, you know, what I would do for the rest of my life or the rest of my career, at least, maybe not you know, the rest of my life. <laughs> was there a reason why you uh, wanted to be a lawyer to begin with? Um, to be honest, not really. So <laughs> I didn't really grow up thinking that I wanted to be a lawyer when I grew up. I think it was for me, not so much about the job. The appeal was more that it the was money. You know, the money was the yeah. appeal. <laughs> <laughs> and it, 
stable income. It was a profession. And I was, you know, brought up to really appreciate that, you know, you, you work hard, you get a good job, and then, you know, you'll, you'll have a good life. And that was something that my parents really, I think, drilled into me. I, my father's Iranian. So, um, you know, Iranians are very keen on the, the four professions, which are um, dentist, engineer, lawyer, or disappointment to the family. So, <laughs> so I knew that I didn't want to be a dentist because I knew I didn't want to look in people's mouths all day and maths and engineering were really not something that I was ever interested in. So lawyer felt like a good, a good option. Um, and yeah, it was about, you know, it's a stable career path, the money's good. So despite the fact that it, it never really sort of lit me up, it, it, for a lot of reasons, so when you're a young graduate, I can see that there's a lot of reasons why a career in law is is appealing because it gives you that stability, it gives you the income, and there's a lot of directions you can take it in from from there. So um, that was probably more my reason rather than, you know, a burning passion to work <laughs> in the world of, of corporate law. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know many people who have a burning passion to work in corporate law. <laughs> Um, uh, maybe, uh, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to make a generalized statement. That's true. Uh, what, what, what is your, you know, I don't think so. No, <laughs> but now you are a yoga teacher. Is that right? Yes, I am. So a bit of a big change. So now, um, I'm a yoga teacher prior to coronavirus. I, was teaching uh, gym classes, um, so teaching between two to five classes a day in a gym in Dubai, like group classes for all levels. So anyone from someone just wandering in for their first yoga class and not really knowing what yoga is about to you know quite experienced yogis. And um, since the lockdown and whatever we're calling this situation now, because we're not really in lockdown anymore um since then i've been teaching online so teaching private classes uh via zoom to people in the uk and dubai a couple of other places as well so anywhere that's the you know, beauty of doing it online it doesn't matter that i'm not so, so now that now that you're not a lawyer anymore uh, have you what do you say move to the uh, last section in your uh, parents eyes I hope not I I actually I actually no like I think it would be unfair to say that and I think they have really seen um a change and I think it's been interesting for them to observe this so I think at first when I said oh I want to be a yoga teacher they probably thought that I was a little bit crazy but they were actually in Dubai over Christmas and I think they really saw how hard I was working how you know I was getting up at 5am every day to go and teach a class I was then coming home grabbing some lunch chilling out for a bit then you know teaching a class till 10pm and I think they really saw that the decision to make that change wasn't you know motivated out of kind of laziness but that I was doing something that I was in some ways like working a lot harder at than when than when I was a lawyer and also working at it kind of happily I think they really saw that when I was a lawyer if someone said oh you need to you know work on on the weekend I would be you know just like devastated about like how does someone work on the weekend I don't want to spend my weekend like doing this 
work that I don't enjoy. And I think they saw that when someone was like, oh, there's been a last minute change. You need to teach this class at you know, 7 a.m. tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, OK, cool. Well, I can do that. Um, so I think they really saw that that change. And it was really nice for them to to see that and to sort of see that I was still, yeah, in some ways working like longer days. Um, not in terms of hours worked, but in terms of the starting your day very early and finishing very late, which is really part of being a, a yoga teacher. You're working around everyone else's mm. nine to five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think that's that's a, a pretty uh, decent uh, observation that you've made about um, what do you say? People who are uh, or who have discovered something that they uh, love to do. It's uh, one of two things. It's either when you're not complaining about uh, staying up late or when you are not complaining about getting up late uh, when either of these two things happen okay so different people have different working styles so for example me i even i think if i find something which i love i'm still not going to like waking up early whatever that thing will happen to be but i'm more than happy to stay up uh, till like four o'clock in the morning if i need to to for example make this podcast so I guess whether you see it as a sacrifice or like an intrusion into your personal time. So if I was teaching yoga in the evening, because it, it, I enjoyed it, if I was teaching an 8 p.m. class in a gym, that didn't feel like, oh, this is intruding you know, into my evening. Whereas if I had to stay in the office until 9, 10 p.m., which happens quite regularly as a lawyer, that, that would always feel like an imposition. And it's like, oh, I don't want to be here I want to be at home watching Netflix or I want to be out with my friends I don't want to sit in the office and be staring at a screen and I think it's very much how you um, frame it in your mind and when you are enjoying what you do then it never feels like a burden or it doesn't feel like an imposition it feels like well I'm choosing to do this and while you can still acknowledge that oh okay I don't you know I can't join my friends for dinner or drinks tonight but you don't feel that resentment and I think that was really the big change for me you know <laughs> there's a lot of other things I'd rather be doing than <laughs> sitting at my desk whereas I think as a as a yoga teacher I, I never I never feel you don't that even because... have a desk I don't even have a desk <laughs> and it's so, like it's so fun but it never feels like a never feels like a burden that's great that's great um so what, what is your earliest memory of yoga though like where where did you first get exposed to yoga? Um, that's an interesting one actually, because I don't have like a defined memory of like my first yoga class. Um, I actually just started going to yoga at the gym I was a member of in London. So I had a gym membership, there were all different classes. And I thought one day I thought, oh, I'll try this yoga class, see what it's about. And um, I had a background in gymnastics. So as a child, I did gymnastics, um, maybe up to the age of, 13 um so I was never like you know a star gymnast or anything but I was always quite flexible I had that sort of movement awareness that you cultivate from doing um I think any sport or any physical discipline from from a young age so when I went to this yoga class I found that even though it was my first class I could actually do quite a lot of it because there's there are you know a lot of parallels between gymnastics and yoga you're sort of using your flexibility it's the gracefulness of the movement so I remember just thinking oh that was really fun and it it 
I never really had that total beginner feeling because of my um, gymnastics background. So I just carried on, you know, going to classes at, at my gym, um, before work, after work. And then gradually I started to take a bit more of an interest into what I was doing. Um, also started doing YouTube classes because um, you know, I was still working as a lawyer, so I didn't have a whole lot of time. So I discovered a few YouTube accounts that offered uh, free classes that I could do whenever I wanted to do them. So I started doing um, yoga with Adrian, which is probably the biggest um, YouTube yoga account. Um, started doing her videos and really learning a little bit more about yoga through that. So that was really awesome because um, obviously classes can be expensive and I think it shows that you, you don't need to sort of spend a whole load of money. Like there's so much information just out there for free that you can sort of immerse yourself in. It's, it's interesting that you say that you had a pretty positive experience from your first uh, class itself. Cause so I recently tried uh, my hand at um, some yoga myself. Uh, my, my mom and sister are big, um, yoga practitioners, I guess. I don't know what the right term is. Yogis? Sure, yogis. 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 Um, they, they take uh, classes from Bharat Thakur Yoga, if you, don't, if you know the uh, company. So I tried my hand at that, which is... Um, and, I mean, I, okay, my, uh, I've tried to do as much uh, of my like, core exercises and stuff. So uh, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't a complete failure, but there were like instances where you know you just can't reach the ground for example the, the flexibility just wasn't there and I'm not going to say that I was discouraged by the fact that uh, I wasn't able to do a whole bunch of the things but I can't say that I was 100% uh, encouraged by it either and I tried it for a couple of more classes but um, I don't know the I, I just it just did not capture that much of my own uh, interest I think I'm just used to a slightly more um, intense exercise and yeah so maybe so i guess my my question would be so if you had a a student who's i don't know less who's who's not used to yoga maybe or um who's used to slightly more like i don't know body weight exercises or something like that how would you convince them to do yoga or maybe is it not the right kind of person who should do yoga <laughs> I think anyone can find a style of yoga that suits them. I think the most important thing really with yoga is finding a teacher that you connect with. So people sometimes say to me, oh, what style of yoga should I do? And I say, well, just, just find a teacher that, that you like, that you like their energy, that you like their kind of uh, vibe, to use a very yogi word, um, you know, that you just get a good uh, feeling from. So I think... Sometimes if you were to do yoga in a gym, like in Fitness First or your sort of local gym, you maybe get more of a sort of workout experience. It will be quite a different class if you go to a dedicated yoga studio. Um, I would say if it's your first class, try and get there early. Maybe just have a chat to the teacher beforehand, like say to them, you know, this is my first class. This is what I usually do here for the first time. And then they can, you know, keep an eye out on you. They can help you. Um, a thing I try and do in all my classes, which is maybe not something all yoga teachers do, but 
I really make a lot of effort to just make it fun and have people having a bit of a laugh. Um, you know, I feel like in a group class, if I can get everyone smiling and laughing, that's far more important than having people touching their toes. So I know that for some people, they maybe don't like that. They may be like, okay, I didn't come to a yoga class to laugh at this teacher's you know, not very funny jokes. Um, <laughs> but I always feel it like really depends so on your jokes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, if someone doesn't, you know, like a particular class, that doesn't mean that yoga is not for you. It just means mm. that you haven't found a teacher that you connect with. And there are, you know, so many different ways of teaching yoga. So maybe for guys, you might find having a male teacher is something you maybe connect with a little bit more because maybe their classes are a little bit more strength focused or maybe you want to try a more kind of dynamic and faster um, form of yoga or maybe you want to kind of go a complete 180 from your usual workouts and do something much more much more chilled so yeah I think there's really like a teacher and a class for, for everyone it can just sometimes take a while to to find that what is a more dynamic faster type of yoga um, so there's a couple so um if you look at your typical yoga studios timetable, you'll see you know, all different classes, all different names of the classes. And, and that can be a little bit uh, confusing. So, Super confusing. <laughs> yeah, I have people asking me this all the time. They're like, what's Kundalini yoga? What's Vinyasa <laughs> yoga? What's Ashtanga yoga? And on the whole, like most of the yoga classes that you'll find in Dubai, also in London, actually, like most of them will be a type of yoga called vinyasa flow which i think is the kind of yoga that's become the most popular in the west and that is a faster more dynamic form of yoga where you flow from one position to the next all the postures are linked and they have a sort of logical order so they flow from one into the other um, so that is quite a dynamic form of yoga. You'll probably find that by the end of the class, you're pretty sweaty. Um, people are always very surprised. Well, in my yoga classes, they would be very surprised by the end that, that they would be sweating. They'd say, oh, I didn't think I'd sweat in this, in this yoga class. Um, some studios will also offer power yoga. So obviously that's not a term that's, you know, rooted really in this sort of Indian tradition of, of yoga, but it's another sort of Western invention where the poses are a little bit more upper body focused. So you'll probably find you spend a lot of time in a plank, um, a little bit more sort of body weight exercises being combined in to really get you sort of sweating and um, building that heat within the body. Um, another quite dynamic form of yoga is Ashtanga yoga, which is a set sequence. So you work through the same poses every time, and over time, you start to learn that sequence. You can do it a bit more dynamically, get a bit more proficient at it. So that's another quite physical form of yoga. So it's there's a lot of a lot of options. What is Pilates? So Pilates is a slightly more modern. Um, Invention. So Pilates was made, sorry, Pilates was founded in, I think, the 1920s uh, mm -hmm. by a German guy called Josef Pilates. And he founded it to help rehab um, 
injured soldiers after um, the First World War. So it's Pilates is very focused on the spine and on the core. And um, Joseph Pilates has a quite well-known quote, which is, you're only as young as your spine. Um, so his belief is very much that, you know, the spine and the core is kind of the key to your whole body wellness. So a lot of the time people think that yoga and Pilates are the same. And in some ways there, there's a lot of similarities. So on the whole, they're both low impact. You do them with their feet, they're mat based. Um, Pilates, I think, appeals to some people a little bit more because there's no spiritual element. There are no Sanskrit words. There's no Om chanting or <laughs> so it, it takes away some of the elements of yoga, which some people, you know, don't connect with. So while um, I'm a yogi or yogini, which is the, the female um, term for a yogi, um, my boyfriend, who's much more sort of mathematical, much more logical, um, he he really prefers Pilates. So they there are similarities, but there's also big big differences. But I'm not a Pilates teacher, so sorry to any Pilates teachers listening if I've just sort of misrepresented <laughs> your um, your profession and your discipline. I love I do love Pilates as well. It's a great workout. Maybe I should try uh, Pilates because uh, I'm a bit of a mathematical, math- mathematical, logical person myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah the- Pilates is much more, um, much more focused on sort of, they'll talk about the muscles, you're engaging mm. a lot more, it's a little bit more technical, um, it's very kind of core focused. So um, really good for people who are looking to you know, build that core strength. I think really good for any of us who at the moment are spending a lot of time at a desk where we're you know, developing that sort of hunched over posture. So um, I think just over recent years, yoga seems to be the, the one that's really sort of you know, blown up and become super popular on, on Instagram and has become very like fashionable. Whereas I think Pilates maybe has been left a little bit behind and is not, um, seen in the same way that, that yoga is is seen, but it's still it's an, an awesome workout, and there's a lot of places in Dubai that it might uh, it might actually be the spiritual element of yoga, which is maybe um, you know accelerating its popularity a little bit. Um, I've always thought that as time goes on, and you know as our generations get uh, older, the influence that religion has had is slowly decreasing and there's still like that gap which is sort of left over for which is I think being a little bit built by a whole bunch of like spiritual practices like I see a whole lot of people uh, investing in meditation for example and yeah one of the things that I I actually enjoyed about the couple of classes which I did in yoga was that I realized uh, that meditation is a big part of um, um, the process as well and that it's it's quite um, inner focused which Mm, definitely I think a really nice thing about a yoga class, even, you know, a yoga class that you do in a, in a gym, um, a really nice thing about it is that you always sort of um, open the class in a sort of calm way. So you have everyone sitting down. You maybe ask people to you know, set an intention to go a little bit inwards. Then you move through your practice. And then at the end, you have your final relaxation um, 
so Shavasana where you lie flat and you really take that time to just let your body kind of process what you've done and whenever I do another type of workout I always find it quite jarring how we go in we just start and then we just finish and <laughs> there's not that time to sort of uh, process so I think you know, with, with yoga, you, you don't have to be religious or spiritual to, to go to a yoga class. But I think as soon as you start just taking that tiny bit of time before and after your, your yoga to, to you know, settle in and to kind of then sort of check out after, you, you do start to like take that approach a little bit more to other things in your life where you, you want to just maybe take that time to sort of honor a process a little bit more rather than just kind of jumping in doing it okay I'm done off I go so when you were uh, starting out as a, a teacher you took a retreat uh, to was it uh, Bali how was yeah. that or how did uh, that so work that maybe would be my first question <laughs> Yeah, so um, I decided when I was looking at options to do my teacher training, um, there's options to do it, you say, every weekend for six months, or you can go for four or five weeks and do it all in one go. Um, so I was kind of weighing up my options and I thought, okay, do I want to do it that way where I'm still you know, living in Dubai, like battling with traffic every day and um, trying to do other things during the week? Or do I just want to sort of fully immerse myself and do it all in one go? And I think, you know, there are pros and cons to, to each way of, of doing it. But at the time, I'd already been practicing yoga for 10 years. I felt pretty comfortable with the, you know, the asana, the kind of physical side of the poses. And I thought, yeah, I think this is, the right way for for me so I ended up doing my teacher training in Bali but it was run by a lady who was based in Dubai so oh. um yeah so she was based she's actually lives in Bali now but at the time she lived in Dubai so it made sense because I thought well it would be nice after the teacher training to be able to have her as a continuing contact. She's bound to know people in the industry um, rather than going to Bali and just picking a yoga school in Bali. Um, I think the thing with yoga teacher trainings, which is a whole huge topic in itself, so I won't spend too much time on this, but that um, there are so many people doing yoga teacher trainings compared to the number of, um, positions for, okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah compared to the number of uh you know positions that there are for teachers in gyms and in studios so if you do want to teach as a career you really need to think okay what what am i going to do after i've got this certificate that says you know congratulations you're you're a yoga teacher well that's that's fantastic but um I thought by doing it with someone who was based in Dubai and where the majority of the participants uh, were coming from the UAE, that it would put me in a better position for, for afterwards um, finding teaching positions and having those, um, those contacts. That's an interesting point that you've made because um, I once read somewhere that um, yoga teachers, I think, are one of the most uh, at-risk jobs when it comes to you know, uh, the sessions. So, I mean, it's not, I'm not saying that, you know, if you are a yoga teacher, you are going to lose your job 100%, but uh, there's just a, a higher, I guess, chance for you to lose your job. 
if uh, you are a yoga teacher because maybe it's one of those things which uh, people decide to cut back on when they don't have that uh, excessive income and i think with all these things it's always about sort of barriers to entry and if you look at mm. you know being a lawyer so to get my first lawyer job i needed you know a law degree from a top university you need all these kind of academic credentials you then need to train at a top firm and it's you know there's so many barriers along the way whereas i think with yoga teacher trainings um anyone can sign up to take a yoga teacher training course often there are no prerequisites um and you know you see these teacher trainings you know on instagram where there's you know 50 60 people i mean pre-coronavirus um 50 <laughs> And these yoga schools are just, you know, churning out these graduates. And yeah, it's, um, you know, it means that it's a very saturated market. And in times like this, you know, obviously yoga classes are, are a luxury. They're non-essential, arguably. Um, for those of us who do them regularly, I think they're essential. But, um, you know, for, for most people, um, they're non-essential. Yeah, I, think, I think it's, uh, if, if, you're, if you're a person who's not regular already, then it becomes it becomes an easier way for you to say that it's non-essential than, for example, if, like you mm. said, if, you're a, if you're a pretty regular person, then it's difficult for you to cut back on it as well. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, yeah, so it's an interesting one. But I think, yeah, for a lot of people, I think after this coronavirus, um, they may not be going back to gyms. They may just decide you know, to, to work out at home, to do YouTube videos, to do Zoom classes. And it's something that I think um, you always have to be prepared to kind of adapt and pivot and sort of change how you approach things. And yeah, some of the sort of old models that you know, even when I was doing my yoga teacher training I thought oh yeah I'll get a job at like a studio it's like well you know some yoga studios are closing permanently some gyms here are closing permanently and it's like well you have to keep adapting and keep changing with the the changing times and if you if you don't do that then it's it's very difficult that's that's true for I guess any um any sort of job and I feel like the world that we're staring down again when um, when all the lockdown and everything is actually over is one which is going to be shifted pretty radically. And I mean, I, nobody can actually predict what uh, the world is going to look like, whether people are actually, I mean, I it's going to be one of two things. Either we're all going to like get just super used to everything being at home and just being at home all this time, or it's going to be the opposite where okay, now that everything is free, we just spend all of our time outdoors and we don't even like spend a single second indoors. But in, re- in reality, it's probably going to be somewhere in between, of course. Somewhere in uh, between. And I think in all industries, that the people that will, and not just in careers, but in our you know, day-to-day life, the people that will thrive the most and, and be the happiest are the people who can adapt really quickly. So I think, you know, when the lockdown hit, people who were sort of slow to kind of, adapt or accept the new reality maybe found it harder than people who thought okay well why don't I try teaching a class on zoom why don't I you know move the furniture out my living room and roll like my roll out my mat and set up this space and just just try it and I think it's um maybe a really good lesson for everything in life that we have to yeah just learn that um, you know, change is the only thing that we know is going to happen and just keep, 
being kind of willing and able to adapt what what we're doing because who knows like what you know what's going to happen <laughs> what the future is going to look like exactly so what is your advice for people who maybe are in a sort of i don't want to say dead end job but a job maybe that they're not quite enjoying as much as they should be and they have like some sort of a dream which they want to chase which maybe other people are telling them is a bit um unrealistic let's say um how how would you tell them to you know approach their future so i have a couple of like sort of nuggets of wisdom maybe wisdom <laughs> wrong a word here but i'd say like um first of all like in the current role you're in maybe try and look at you know the people who are on the next rung up from you what they're doing what their job involves and think how you would feel in their position and if you think okay that that next rung up from me that looks that looks pretty good then maybe sort of stick it out see if you can you know keep pushing forward in the industry you're in if you look at those people and think that looks horrific i don't want their lives <laughs> i don't want to do that then then maybe that's your sign that you know you need to kind of make that that change and i think if you really know that there's something else out there that that you want to be doing then you're the only person that can that can know that and that can know that the path you're on you know isn't right for you so as a lawyer so many people said to me oh but you you know you've put so much time you've put so much work into this why would you walk away away from it and for me it was like well i'm walking away from it because i i just don't enjoy it and I think it's also about you know thinking what kind of life do you do you want to have like what do you want your every single day of your life to to look like so we spend a lot of time focusing on you know how holidays abroad back when we had holidays abroad <laughs> so we spend we spend a lot of time focusing on you know what is maybe you know 10% of our life so oh these two weeks holiday I'm gonna have like an amazing time like stay in the best hotel have you know an amazing trip we we actually don't spend that much time focusing on our the 50 weeks season. yeah the other 50 weeks, 50 weeks. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like okay maybe you can sacrifice some element of the two weeks so maybe you know next time you go on holiday you can budget a little bit more or do things in a different way because at the end of the day with the 50 weeks of what we're putting ourselves through and yeah i think um it sounds really cliche but i think you just have to kind of follow what your heart wants and what you think is right for you rather than kind of um falling into this trap of thinking well you know this job offers me stability and a good income and because that's not what you know gets you kind of motivated to get out of bed in the morning i like what you said about how uh, the investment of time in a job is one of the reasons why you shouldn't for example say say goodbye to that job or say goodbye mm. to that career um that that sort of logic doesn't really make sense if you if you try and like you know plot it out because why would you worry about maybe 10 years that you've put into something when it's another 30 years which is in in front of you so it's basically a waste of the next 30 years 
just because you spent 10 years doing something it it doesn't it doesn't actually make any logical sense no it makes no sense i think it's called um i think it's called something like the sunk cost um the sunken cost yeah the sunken cost fallacy exactly and it's just i think also the we get very caught up in time and in sort of age and so i'm how old am i i'm 32 but i remember when i was thinking about quitting um law and going into another profession going into yoga teaching i thought oh my goodness i'm too old who's gonna want like a 30 year old yoga teacher oh no and then i did my yoga teacher training i walked in on the first day and i was the youngest person there and that was like such a wake-up call and i thought here was me at you know 30 thinking oh i'm too old it's too late to make this change and every other person on my yoga teacher training was by a few years to 10 plus years older than me. And I thought they made this same decision. And I think our concept of time is, is very, is very funny because you're right. Like it's okay. If I'd spent another 30 years doing law and being miserable, then that just makes no sense. And I think it's, um, yeah, it's never too late to kind of change your, um, change your your path and you'll never um you know we have i think a lot of images in our head of what you know the uh, sort of ideal yoga teacher or an ideal any profession is and that's that's all you know just complete rubbish and we kind of make up these stories to sort of limit ourselves but you know i've been to classes of yoga teachers who have been 60 70 and as long as they can make a connection it's like who cares? Like, I'm not going to walk in and ask them like, oh, I need to see your birth certificate. I need to see how old you are. <laughs> oh no, you could only be a good yoga teacher if you're like a 22 year old with like, you know, a super hot body. It's like, it's not, just not how it works. But we, I think we like to kind of tell ourselves these stories to kind of hold us back and to sort of justify why we're not taking that step. I will try and keep this outro a little short because I think the episode is already quite long. Uh, What can I say about this conversation? I had a lot of fun talking to Lily. And I I think my biggest takeaway from the, the entire conversation is Lily's measured approach to actually following her passion. I think there's a tendency for people to give out advice like, you know, if you if you're passionate about something, you should dive headfirst into it, you know. Research is pretty much the last thing that anybody brings up when we're talking about uh, following your passions. And I think the biggest advice that I can glean from the conversation that we just had was that taking that measured approach is actually one of the best ways you can go about following your passion. And first and foremost, you do have to sit and say to yourself or ask yourself, do I want to be in my boss's chair? And I think that's really good advice. So today, sit down at your chair and just imagine yourself as your own boss or you know, your own superior, maybe like two, three levels above you if that exists in your organization and see whether that is the place that you want to be come, I don't know, five, 10 years. And if it's not, then you know for sure that that's not the life for you. And it's a good reason to go out and find something that you love. After that, though, it is up to you to find the approach which will lead to the least barriers. 
I think chasing your passion or, you know, going about doing a creative job and I include teaching in this. Teaching is a job that requires a hell of a lot of creativity. And chasing those kind of jobs, the barriers that the world has placed in front of you is already so much that you don't need yourself placing barriers as well. And I think that is the best way to actually remove any of these personal barriers is by actually just doing your homework. So when she went wanted to become a yoga teacher, she didn't actually go out and just find the first uh, certification course that she could find. She sat down and thought, you know, okay, so this is actually also an opportunity for me to build some connections, you know, uh, find the right uh, mentor. She did her homework. And I think that is the most important lesson from this conversation. If you are going to follow your passion, you better be ready to do your homework. As always, uh, make sure that you follow the show on Instagram and give it a subscribe on any of the platforms that you're using. Make sure that you leave a comment as well because it really does help the show. See you next time.